Back to the Ticket Water Cooler. Brought to you by Wingstop on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. We're back here on the Ticket Water Cooler. It is time for the crossover. And Nick is out uh, doing some uh, good work for uh, the station. This is a press conference. So we have Austin jump in. Austin, how's your how's your weekend, I should say? Oh, just turn your Great. mic on. That'd be a good yeah, idea. Hey, there, there you go. go. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a weekend. <laughs> yeah. Came and went. Wife was working, so I chilled at home, got some chores done, and coached nice. a basketball game last night. Can't complain. Did nice. you win? We did not win because I'm a loser. <laughs> you're like, you're your the C.J. Stroud of coaches. This wasn't postseason, though. You get all this. You, you win all these <laughs> games, but you can't win the big ones. They're all big ones. So. They're all big ones. All Got big it. Ones. Oh well, then you just can't win. Oh, it's true. I don't even know if you're <laughs> CJ Stroud. Are there games that you walk away and think, you know what, that was the that was the coaching error, and then other games where you go, we just didn't, we didn't have that one. Uh, I I don't want to blame the kids. They're middle school. They're still learning. But sometimes when you, you don't catch the ball, it makes it hard to do anything. <laughs> so I don't know how what? exactly to coach better catching necessarily. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's always stuff I would do differently in retrospect. Yeah, I would think that. It's point. always the coach's fault. Yeah. yeah. It's never the player's fault. I'm the one that's got to answer the questions. It reflects on me. Yeah. So. The, how was the press conference? Yeah, I was the post-game pressers. <laughs> Those parents are brutal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I tell you. They come for you. Mike's in your face. So, <laughs> why would you do this? <laughs> Luckily, no playing time questions. So, oh, yeah. Got that part good. I say yeah. uh, you joke about the parents being brutal, but sometimes they really are. Yeah, no, the, the parents have been great. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's get, jump into this because I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. And, and, you know, it's kind of just kind of become, like I said, it's an elephant in the room. You either address or you, you, you just look the other way. But um, what does Hoiberg need to do here uh, as the season wraps up? It's, it's a tall task regardless of what you're asking for him. But is it, it, at least the way I see it is, is kind of four-year stint. Um, the numbers starting to add up against him. And it's, it's going to be... I think it's going to be a decision time, almost regardless for Trev. Uh, what do you think puts Fred in the right side of the decision moving forward? Is it a number of games? Is it how the team looks? Is it that, how many people are showing up to Pinnacle Bank Arena? <laughs> what's What's the biggest thing that you guys are looking at for as Nebraska still has nine games to go? Um, and I, you know, I, I don't want to say giving up on the season or anything like that from the Nebraska fan standpoint, but. Um, the ceiling, the look. ceiling seems to have dropped quite a bit. Yeah, the 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 tough thing that Trev's going to have to balance is this team looked like they were going to, you know, be pretty good towards the end of this season if they would have kept their core together. But then you lose Juwan Gary, uh, you still feel like you have a, a decent chance to to win a couple of games, to sneak some more games. Then you lose Emmanuel Bandemel, you lose your two best defenders, and after that, I know that a lot of people want to say, "Oh, well, it's the coach's job to get the team prepared, and they should have people ready uh, in case these things happen." And I I get that, and I agree with that. But at the same time, losing your two best defenders, like clearly those are your two best defenders is going to take a toll on you regardless of how prepared the rest of your team is because you have guys who are pretty good defenders. You have guys who around on your roster who are going to be able to do certain things in a game that will assist you during a season, but your starters are your starters for a reason because those are your best players. Those are those are the five that you believe give you the best chance to win, which is why they usually finish the game as well. And losing two of those is a gut punch to anybody. I mean, it's hard, and that's kind of something that Trev's going to have to balance with the fact that, you know, it's been a rough four years for Fred Hoiberg and Nebraska basketball. But finally, in a year where they had some hope and they had some light at the end of the tunnel, 
it's it's almost as if you know halfway through the tunnel there was an explosion and the tunnel mm-hmm. collapsed on itself. It's it's weird because obviously there's no perfect season. It just doesn't. Not everything goes right all the time. You mm-hmm. lose guys to injuries for extended periods of time. You know you have to adjust to the league. That's just part of the course. It's part of coaching. So to some extent, you can't hold injuries against Fred. But what adjustments has he made? How prepared do the younger guys look? That's more what I'm judging it off of if I'm Trev Alberts. Because coming into this year, Fred Hoiberg made the changes I assume Trev Alberts wanted to see, wanted to hear. You know, we didn't have the metrics get written down like we did with Scott Frost. But there's a similar meeting <laughs> yeah. where something similar went down. So Trev, I don't think, told Fred Hoiberg what those changes were. But Fred Hoiberg made those changes. He showed he was willing to adapt. And we saw the signs of success. 7-3 and three with that starting lineup. And could have had another win over Purdue. That's a sign of progress. But now, you can't throw that out the window, but I think you couple Fred's adaptability, willingness to change, give him one more shot, especially if Lawrence, Dawson, Tomonaga, Breidenbach are the reason for success. If you see the Griezel and Walker just carrying this team over the finish line, that's a problem. But if you, not, see, yeah. if you see the younger guys start to settle in and, hey, with another offseason work, there could be something... Mm. I'm willing to let that coach ride it out one more year. Uh, it's interesting. I think every everybody's kind of uh, you know just have their their different opinions. You know, you go through it with with our post game show we did. Um, you know, there's a lot of different opinions. Some people already decided. Most people kind of w- willing to, and waiting to to see kind of what becomes of the rest of the season. Um, but it is it's certainly um, interesting in that regard for Nebraska basketball moving forward, which is uh, you know at least for <laughs> interest sake. Actually, a redeeming quality about this season because otherwise it might start be you know kind of losing it from there. But we'll see. I mean, this team. I think. I think part of the problem is these double digit losses. This was another game against Maryland where you could have tuned out in the middle of the second half and you would you know be no worse for wear. You, you got what the game was, and um, so they've they've got a pretty big stretch now of games. I think it was the last seven losses now have been by double digits. They've lost five of the last six. Um, hopefully just a tough stretch. Hopefully just an adjustment. Um, and, and I think that there is a pretty good possibility this team will look better in a few games after you know they can make that adjustment. It's not usually just a snap. All of a sudden you can make up for that starter. Sometimes it can take a few games. So we'll see if they can get that rolling. Obviously, on the good side, you know, two games ago you saw Jamarcus Lawrence step up. Last game you saw Sam Hoiberg step up. So you're starting to get the feeling that they maybe there are some pieces there um, that they can work with and that are willing to step up and, and play uh, in, in, in that. Uh, well, with, there's no other way of saying it without, without losing two of your best players. Yeah. Well, now you need to couple those those young guys stepping up with just an, an overall step up from the entire team yeah. in order because it, it's impressive that those two are able to step up and it's impressive to see what they can do. But in the end, you're still losing the games. Mm-hmm. If 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 Hoiberg can go off like that, and Nebraska, I don't know, maybe loses by two, or hell, wins the game. If they win the game, it's it's fantastic. If they lose by two, it's even it's it's pretty impressive as well. If Jamarcus Lawrence goes off the way that he did, and they lose close, win the game again, very impressive. But the fact that they're losing by double digits, it's cool, and and it's a bright, but it's a tiny little bright spot in a in a in a hallway of darkness. But it's not. It, it's it's not going to help you at the end of the season. Nebraska's had two close losses. Memphis, Derek Walker's first game back mm. in Purdue. Other than that, they've been double-digit losses. Yeah. If you were winning big and losing close, that's how you know you're a good team. If you were you know, winning big and losing big, you're an inconsistent team. Losing big but winning close says that's a low ceiling to yeah. me for this team. We yeah. kind of knew that going in, but you yeah, can right. survive on a season-to-season basis with that. 
when you look at someone like Sam Hoiberg, on good teams, he's a spark that opens stuff up for someone else. He has that four-minute stretch where everyone else is cold. They have to pay attention to him. But because of that attention, it gets someone else going. So Sam Hoiberg doesn't have to step up mm. past that point. He was the offense basically all game long. <laughs> Not a great spot to be. Credit to the kid for doing it. Yeah. That's awesome. It was fun to watch. But four if you for don't four, have, no rim. Right. But if you, have, <laughs> if you don't have anyone else step up alongside him, that's the problem. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, they've got another. They get back to it on Tuesday against Illinois, I believe. So uh, we will uh, we'll follow that along. The other thing I wanted to get to, of course, big uh, big recruiting weekend or uh, past week for the Husker recruiting staff as far as Dylan Riola goes. They sent nine members of the staff uh, to Arizona to visit with uh, the Riola family and Dylan Riola in specific. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys this because I've been trying to figure it out. I understand why Nebraska's in the mix, the family connection. I understand why Georgia's in the mix. Obviously, team success. A lot to sell there. USC, Lincoln Riley, if I'm unbiased from anything, I'd send any quarterback there. What's Oregon doing? Is that just the bag, or what is Oregon? <laughs> <laughs> They're the cool kids on the block. Yeah, Oregon's, is it still Oregon's, the cool thing? Yeah, factor, Oregon's, Oregon's cool. Oregon's, you know, year after year, they're, they're one loss to Utah away from <laughs> from making the college football playoff. Uh, it they they surround themselves with ta- they're a very talented roster year in and year out. Uh, again, they had a really good year this last year, and it could be a place where, as a quarterback, you can kind of make your own mark. Like, and this is no disrespect to any Oregon quarterbacks of the past. I haven't really been paying that much attention to Oregon, but if you think about Oregon, you think about quarterbacks. I mean, to me, Marcus Mariota is the first thing that pops up. If Dylan Raiola can go there and make his own mark, he can become you know a legend in at least in the Oregon circles and in college football he can be you know the name the quarterback synonymous with Oregon for years to come what disrespect to Darren Thomas Joey Harrington Justin Herbert well Marcus Mariota mostly than anybody yeah no it's Marcus (laughs) how many of them won a Heisman it's Mariota but I still like Joey Harrington. he was also in a national championship game he was yeah they lost, dis- Cam, they lost to uh, Cam. Cam Newton, but mm-hmm. they destroyed uh, reigning yeah, Heisman winner Jameis, like fifty nine twenty seven exactly. or something. That was uh, Mahomes that was almost something. had his Jameis moment last night, where the ball just comes out. So he's kind Ooh. of falling backwards. Yeah. That was close. <laughs> oh yeah, what did you did you have a, a what? I, I guess we we've been talking about it all day. Refs, big big part of that game, or not really? Well, we're gonna eh. talk. We're gonna talk eh. about that in the first segment. I'm gonna ask oh, you all I'm about sure. that. Yeah. I, they were noticeable, which is never good, but yeah. I didn't think there was anything egregious. Yeah. Boy. Well, well, they got, there's a Boy. You guys argue. <laughs> <laughs> That's always good. You, you set the argument off in one show. I get to leave. Exactly. You guys can start arguing. You're lighting a match day. and walking yeah. away. Yeah. Then How I just dare go you? listen to a live podcast. It makes it a little more interesting. There you go. Me. Uh, that'll wrap it up for the Ticket Water Cooler today. Thanks to Austin for jumping in again. He will be on with Rico for the happy hour. That's coming up next year on 93.7 The Ticket. For those of us at the Ticket Water Cooler, we'll see you in the Ticketverse tomorrow, Tuesday. Be there.